So good morning, Bill. And it's a lovely, well, I was going to say almost spring day, but it's pouring with rain here in Ocean Grove, though it has stopped. <laughs> well, that's right, Mark. I just drove down from Geelong because today we're doing our two put podcast. What's that mean? <laughs> we're doing our podcast from your house down in Ocean Grove. And as I look out the window, the ocean is flat calm, which is good, isn't it? <laughs> but Mark, we've had a pretty exciting last couple of weeks uh, with the Geelong Small Business Festival. We have, and uh, we had a very entertaining and, I thought, informative session for us as well as for the people that participate. 30 people at the uh, Eastern Gardens at the Hub. Yeah. Uh, talking about business planning and how to improve their business, and they were really engaged. And in fact, oh, it was it was great. It was great fun. Well, that's right. We uh, we ran a session called "Build a Better Business," is where you and I specialise, and uh, we've had a fantastic response from those who attended. So I'm really pleased about that. Anyway, it's not about us; it's about our guest. <laughs> so who have we got today? So today um, we have Gail Rogers, who's mm-hmm. the CEO of the Geelong Community Foundation. And in Gail and I go back a fair way because <laughs> Gail and I actually sat on the Ocean Grove Primary School Parents and Citizens. Mm. I think it was called um, something, like, something that. like that. It's it's a thing that you do when you're a parent <laughs> and your kids are at school. And the Apple Fair. Did you ever have to yeah. dress up as the Apple? No, I never dressed <laughs> as the Apple. But yes, the Apple Fair the and Apple the. Fair. Hours of work that were put in for the Apple <coughs> Fair. So we, we've got a little bit of a history, and Gail is a resident of Ocean Grove as well. And uh, welcome, Gail. Thanks so much for the invitation. No, our pleasure. Uh, yes, welcome, Gail. And you talk about uh, school committees and that. Did you know that it was book book week this mm. week? Because I've got <laughs> photos galore of grandchildren dressed up yes. for book week. Yes. No, I'm glad all that's behind us. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter, who who went to school with your yep. son, is a teacher, so I still uh, get to uh, immerse myself in those experiences. It's very cool. So, yeah. Yeah. so Gail, let's, let's start on your journey. Where, where did you go to primary school? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you won't know it. That It was a tiny little farming uh, community called Prea Lena. Wow. Where's that? So Prea Lena um, is on the northwest coast of Tasmania, very close to another little farming community called Miyuna, which was a soldier settlement. Oh. So my grandfather um, returned to Tasmania after the war. Well, he lived; he was obviously living in Tasmania and ended up on this soldier settlement in Miyuna. And then my father and my mother bought um, a dairy farm not far from there. So I went to Prea Lena Primary School up until grade three before I then went into the town of Wynyard, which is wow. on the northwest coast of Tasmania. And is the town still there? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Isn't it? And it's interesting because <clears throat> the number of people we've we've interviewed that started life on a farm. Well, <laughs> yeah. Dairy farm. Actually. Dairy farm. Oh, absolutely. It's, and it's if we were doing this in another 40 years' time, they would all be saying, well, I grew up in the concrete jungle in the middle of Melbourne or it's a big city, but they won't be saying they came off farming communities. No, I have very fond memories of my time on the farm. So early morning starts up for the milking? Well, I guess, you know, my mum actually milked the cows and my dad um, drove log trucks. So, you know, my mum worked very hard on the farm. So, you know, I have very strong memories of my brother and I 
you know, being told to stay in the house when we were tiny, um, which you would never do in this day and age, would you? You know, your parents would never leave you when you were tiny, you know, why they went off and milked the cows. So it had yeah, to be done. Yeah, it had to be done. So, yeah, so my mum worked very where hard. Where was high school? Um, high school was in um, was in Wynyard, um, so Wynyard High School. Mm-hmm. And then I went off to Hellier College, which is in Burnie, which is the next town where we had to go to. So, um, but I didn't finish my, um, well, what you would call VCE, because I was passionate about the travel industry. Oh, well, okay. And I desperately wanted to work in the travel industry. And my basketball coach owned a travel agency in the little town of Wynyard, where I used to spend my school holidays doing work experience. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and TAA back in the days. I don't know yep. whether you yeah, remember tra- TAA. Trans Australia. Trans Australia. You know, remember the up, up and away. Yep. Um, so I was lucky enough to pick up a job as a traffic clerk at TAA in Burnie in 1978. Wow. And that's when my career in the travel industry started and it was just the best. So where did it take you? Where did you- um, well, it was interesting because TAA um, used to fly into the, the coast of of Tasmania into Wynyard and Devonport and and eventually those routes became unprofitable. So East West, I don't know whether you yep. remember, East yep. West Airlines, they took over the routes. So um, all of the staff at TAA were offered the opportunity to transfer to anywhere on the network, um, you know, within TAA. So um, I had a great opportunity as a 21-year-old to transfer to Melbourne and I just thought that I would work at, you know, transfer to Melbourne Airport um, and, and work at the airport. But in the meantime, I applied for a job in marketing, in head office, um, in uh, at 50 Franklin Street in Melbourne, near the Vic Market. And um, I was lucky enough to pick up that position um, in marketing. So that was a different direction again that took me away from that customer service focus into a marketing environment. That's really cool. That's mm. a really good story. Yeah. Right, which And here we are today in 2023 and... Uh, as the CEO of the Geelong Community Foundation, can you tell us a bit about what is the Geelong Community Foundation? What is the Geelong? Wow. Well, very basically, Bill, we are a fundraising and a grant-making organisation. I mean, that's very Mm. crudely, um, but we stick to our core business. That's what we do. But... I guess we're a little bit different to most other fundraising organisations is that we never spend our donors' money. We actually invest all of the gifts that are provided to us by very generous people and we invest those funds. So today um, our corpus is sitting around $33 million. So then it's the interest that we earn on that investment that we provide as grants to the community annually. And it's a very clever model. Mm, Very clever. Because therefore it's sustainable as opposed to sitting there hoping you're going to get donations and, and, and you can ride the wave, can't you, I yeah, suppose? exactly right. And, and if you look at our history over the last 22 years, you can see, you know, obviously the market hasn't performed as well in some years as others. So, um, you know, during the global financial crisis, although I wasn't there then, there was a bit of a dip. Um, but we've had other years where we've had a 13 14% return on our investments. So, yeah. You know, it, it, we're there for the long term. I right. don't look at the market every day. That would um, I'd have to you know, be that would be very concerning if I did that. But it's it's a long term strategy. But there wouldn't be many organisations such as yours in large regional towns similar to Geelong that have got that amount of money sitting in their capital fund no. that is earning enough interest to provide 
grants to how many people in the last 12 months? Well, the, it was a $1.34 million yeah. grant allocation um, in the last – or for 23-24. For so um, we're probably the third largest community foundation in Australia. Mm. Um, so we're pretty proud of that. Um, Andrew Lawson was the founding CEO and I was tracking him in terms of when he was going to retire as to you know when I was going to apply because I actually helped start the Geelong Community Foundation when I was at United Way. Um, many years ago, which is now called Give Where You Live. So I was there when we got it off the ground, when we had those very first conversations about can we start a community foundation here in Geelong. So I've come full circle, which is absolutely fantastic. Well, Mark, we should backtrack now that we've got to where we are today. (laughs) Let's go back to the airline industry. What was the next step? Yeah, yeah. and what got you out of travel into where you are now? Um, Where's that lead? Okay, so look, I mean, just talking about my my time, um, TAA, Australian Airlines and Qantas, so transition through all three. Um, So when um, Qantas took over Australian Airlines, I was the reservations manager for the southern part of Australia. So I was given some fabulous opportunities um, within the airline, um, you know, to complete leadership programs. They supported um, my MBA. Um, So, you know, fabulous skills that that I learnt and fabulous mentors that I had at that time to learn those skills. Um, So uh, when Qantas took over... um, I had I was commuting from Ocean Grove to Burwood. I had this fabulous idea. We, we relocated the reservation centre from Fifty Franklin Street in Melbourne to this fabulous building in Burwood. You know, you wouldn't you'd think that I'd do it. You you'd know, transfer it, it to Altona <laughs> or somewhere. So you know, I was commuting. You know, driving. You know, two hours a day. And been there. <laughs> yeah. Look, you wouldn't do it today, would you, Mark? But um, uh, I also was pregnant with um, with uh, our daughter, and um, Qantas were offering voluntary redundancy. So the time was right. So I was lucky in that um, I could take a package, um, stop commuting, and enjoy being a mum for a while. So um, that was absolutely fantastic. And then you obviously got bored being a mum. Well, I didn't really. I, you know, you could never be more bored being a mum, but it's just about things that happen. You know, Hazelton Airlines decided to start an operation out of, out of Avalon. Yep. And as soon as, you know, I heard about that in the paper, you know, what do you think I was thinking? You know, how fabulous would it be to live in your own community and work in your own community? Because I'd never done that before. Um, so, um, when Hazelton Airlines were looking for a regional manager, I was lucky enough to pick up that gig. Very good. And that was my first introduction to the Geelong business community. Um, so, a very challenging six months, I've got to say, um, but introduced me to a lot of fabulous people, a lot of very supportive people um, in this community. So, And a good airline. Mm. I was I was sorry to see them fall. I just... Yeah. They, I don't think they got the support that they needed. No. And I flew them a few times because I was in Target in those mm. days flying up yeah, to I Sydney. That. And I used to quite regularly fly with Hazelton. Mm. And um, I, I was trying to think of the owner's name. Max Hazelton. Max Hazelton. Yeah, he yeah. passed away not so long ago, yeah, just he, a few months ago. On one yeah. of the last flights they had, mm. he shouted everybody on the flight drinks out of Avalon. <laughs> and I sat next to him. And 
It was sad. Mm. He's a very, a very um, passionate man. And he's the, the only um, boss I've ever had that flew his own plane to come to a meeting, yep. you know, to meet me, with he's, me, you know. And <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a pity, isn't it? You get such good airlines yeah. come and go. So, mm. Hazleton, then to what then? Um, so, while I was at um, trying to build um, that product out of Avalon, um, connecting with lots of people, um, I came across United Way and the loaned executive program. And I thought, well, you know, here's a fabulous opportunity for, for me to build my network in Geelong. So I volunteered for the loaned executive program while I was trying to build Hazelden Airlines. Um, but it introduced me to a lot of people in the Geelong community um, as well. And I got to know lots of different organisations. Um, and then, you know, after the six months of I guess recognising that the the Hazelton Airlines just wasn't going to work, Um, they closed uh, and the executive officer role of United Way came up. And, you know, timing is everything, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy. Can we just go back to the loan executive? Because Mm -hmm. the loan executive program is running still. Still running, absolutely. And can you explain, I understand what it's all about, can you Mm. explain how businesses can get involved Mm. in that loan executive for their people within their organisation? Um, sure. I mean, and it, it's a fabulous way to immerse um, employees within any organisation um, mm. into the community sector. So any business can volunteer a staff member to get involved in that program. So they learn about um, United Way um, and they are then charged with uh, the task of going into businesses and spruiking why payroll giving. Um, or corporate donations would be a good idea. Now, I think that's the, what, what happens. Um, obviously, I don't work there anymore, no, but, uh, but I'm uh, pretty sure that that's the model that's still, that I they still follow. I think it is because my most recent exposure was when I was consulting to a building company and they had one of yeah. their young guys Go join up. It. And yeah. there's some professional development that goes yeah. along with it yeah. as well. But it's a fabulous way to immerse young professionals pr- predominantly in the community sector. That's right. And it helps yeah. with public speaking because they mm-hmm. have to stand up in yes. front. So I've, when I was at FAGS, we had a couple of people go through and do yes. that each year. And th- that was good. It was a great program and it did allow people that wouldn't normally get up in front of people yeah. or go and visit do it. It was yeah. good. And yeah. it's important for business owners to understand that it's not always about work. And you've mm. got to get involved in the community. Mm, but also get your staff involved in the community. Mm. And I think that's the important part. So I'll bring it back to your current role, mm. if we may. Um, am I right in saying that families or businesses can actually uh, invest? Or invest is probably not the right word. Mm. But just explain the structure in which if Mark and I came along and we wanted to put $10,000 or five hundred. $5,000 or whatever it is, sure. or one, mm-hmm. uh, in, into your organisation, how does that structure work? Okay, so it is a donation. It yeah. is a tax-deductible yeah. gift for the Geelong Community Foundation. But we start, um, in, anybody that wants to start or, or provide a gift to the foundation starts a sub-fund within the foundation. So we look for a $10,000 minimum to start that sub-fund, which can be paid over you know a three-year period. So every donor um, has their own sub-fund, their own account, their own member statement, if you like, within the foundation. So so, so it, it is all separated out. So every year we provide all of our donors with a member statement that shows their contribution 
It shows their contribution to the grant program each year. It shows their contribution to our administration fund. Um, we charge, um, or the administration uh, was 1.6% uh, last year, which we're pretty proud of. Um, and and I'll talk about why that's yeah. so low shortly. And then um, it's any a, a appreciation on the investment of their funds as well. So it, it really is demonstrating to donors the power of endowment, the power of making a gift to an organisation where it's not spent, um, it's invested and then continues to return um, annually to make a contribution to the community. Now, many of our donors will make a contribution to that sub-fund annually. So it, it, it can growing. grow as well, or it could be just a one-off gift. Um, but the tax office requires us to distribute a minimum of 4% of our corpus to the community annually. And that's about what we do distribute. Um, a lot of people say to us, well, you know, you've got so much money, why don't you give away more? Um, it's about having a corpus that is going to be giving forever. The sustainability is the key. Absolutely. Well, that, and it gives you the old word, my favourite word, re recurrent funding, right? Yeah. Because having been on a, a large regional hospital board and being involved in cemetery trusts, for instance, Mark, right. is that the recurrent funding is the most important thing mm. to, for longevity of whatever is happening. Yeah. Now, uh, in addition to your main fund, you've got something called P500. Mm. Could you just explain that for us? So, well? um, I guess when I started at the foundation, um, gosh, seven and a half years ago now, um, I was looking at our donor base um, and lots of very mature donors I would I would perhaps call them but there was nothing coming in the other end so a lot of young professionals in the community had no awareness of the Geelong Community Foundation so we needed to think about another product that wasn't potentially $10,000 because $10,000 is it's a significant yeah. amount yep. of money and not everybody can afford that especially young professionals young families so we started this whole concept of a giving circle and giving circles are huge in the US, um, huge overseas and they're starting to grow here in Australia now. So there are a range of different concepts that you can use to start a giving circle. Um, there, are, there, there is a concept in, in Melbourne well, in, and in other places called Impact 100, $1,000 in, um, everybody pulls that gift and then it becomes a grant and, it, and then it's the $1,000 out. What we did at the foundation with P500 is it's $500 gift in. So we look for a number of people who can contribute the 500, but we actually invest half of it into the P500 sub fund. Mm. So that's about demonstrating to donors the power of endowment. So the P500 sub fund is the, is the fastest growing sub fund at the foundation. So that's currently sitting at about $280,000. So every year, the interest that we earn on that sub fund, we add to the grant of the the half of the other donations. So this year, for example, we had 279 donors who contributed $500 each, half to the sub fund invested, half to the grant, plus the interest from the sub fund, and we ended up with a grant of $79,000. It's good, isn't it? It's amazing. So, but the big, the best part about it is we, we advertise the grant round, organisations apply, we involve some of our donors and, and our committee in shortlisting to three organisations, and then we have an event in November where those three organisations will pitch for the funding to the donors. The donors then vote and decide which organisation receives the grant. So you, we're immersing donors then in the education 
that they get from from hearing from those three organisations, as well as the decision making process. So it's it's a way to immerse people more effectively in the community and give them a chance to make the decision about where the money goes. So last year um, was a $75,000 grant that went to Wombat's Wish. Yep. You might be aware of Wombat's, yep. Wombat's Wish. Wish yep. So they support kids who have lost a parent. Yep. Um, and, you know, the waiting lists for, you know, some of those kids to get in to see a psychologist was huge. So that grant um, has provided um, a psychologist into Wombat's Wish to help those kids. So, um, you know, really incredible grants that we can provide. But also for me it was also about the education piece you know, how do we educate more people effectively about the fabulous organisation? The thing that impresses me about your organisation is that if you, those who are in a position to uh, in, invest or donate to it is they can do so with trust. Yes. And knowing that it's professionally run, uh, you've got a well-structured board, Yes. you've got a good CEO. We do. Right? <laughs> um, but, and the process in which you receive applications for grants and, and actually make the grants... Mm is transparent mm. and I think that's important. Yeah. But let's change track for it again and come <laughs> back to Gail. <laughs> leadership. So you've had a few leadership roles. Mm. What are your thoughts on leadership mm. in 2023? Um, look, I, I, I just think it's not rocket science, to mm. be honest. I, I just think it's about respect more than anything else. If you don't respect and acknowledge the employees around you, you're not going to succeed. So I think it's about effective listening. It's about understanding, you know, who your employees are and and what they do outside of work. Um, It's just about respecting the people that you have who who give hours and hours of their time, you know, to to do the work for your organisation. Um, so look, I I don't um, I don't subscribe to any um, any particular you know processes policies agendas around leadership or the it's latest guru people. book on leadership. No, <laughs> and, and, and it's just about respecting people. Mm. Um, you know, we, we're very lucky to have our our office um, hosted by Adroit Insurance and Risk. Um, they provide our office space, and you know, I've. I've answered this question before about, you know, they have a cleaner that comes into the office, you know, five o'clock every night. You know, I wonder what the cleaner thinks about, you know, some some issues in the community. It's just about engaging and respecting people, no matter who they are, no matter what level they are within the organisation. Um, everybody has an idea that they can contribute and, and certainly as a leader, I don't have all of the answers and I would um, hope that my team feel that they've got the you know the capacity to contribute um into the change um and the impact that we have on our community so not rocket science in my book well we um actually did a podcast with one of your team okay uh, a while ago didn't we where we spoke about beyond blue for instance oh with tony yeah with tony Mm. mcmanus yeah yeah Yeah, great Um, guy Mm. yeah it's you're right it's if you want to know what's going on in the business, go down the shop floor, go out to the back gate, talk to the truck drivers, Absolutely. treat them with respect mm. because, you know, in their private lives, they're actually running sporting clubs, church clubs, school boards. They're doing all yeah. of that. And just because they come and work for you doesn't mean to say they've left their brain at home. No, absolutely yeah. not. They're, so, no, they're part of community. Exactly you know, right. Um, yeah, so another interesting thing that you've, you've passed comment about was networking, the power of networking mm. and and... 
Bill and I are both big advocates that people need to get out and meet people. So how, mm. how have you found that? What, what sort of things did you do to uh, build well, the network? Well, look, I guess, you know, Geelong Business Club, um, you know, is a great network. Um, so a really good organisation to be a part of. Um, I guess, you know, with when P500 came along, um, you know, we went to the Geelong Young Professionals Group, which is part of um, the Chamber. Um, so, you know, reaching into that network, into a younger yeah. cohort yeah. of professionals. So it's really about understanding the different networks. Yeah, I mean, I don't see myself as a young young professional. Although I, don't, I don't know whether they've got an age on, on that particular It's group. always been a question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I, we went on, I went along to one of their events um, the other day um, that we were supporting just to promote P5. Actually, and I was very well welcomed um, and enjoyed the company. But that's a fabulous network of, of young professionals, um, our up and coming leaders in Geelong. Um, so I met some incredible young people that just you know gives me faith that we're in really good hands um, in in the region. But um, any of those sorts of networks, I get invited to lots of things, uh, lots of events, uh, lots of opportunities, and and I try to get to as many as I can. Um, you know, you need to to keep up with yeah, you know who's who's around and and what's happening in the community and and what's important to people in the community. So if people want to make a donation, mm-hmm. how do they go about mm-hmm. it? So it's a discussion that we start with. It's just our, you know, we we really like to understand our our donors or our potential donors' motivation to, to, to start with. You know, what is it about giving to the community that's important to someone? Why would they want to do it? So I like to have those conversations first to understand a, a, a donor's motivation. Um, so then it's really about offering our Subfund potentially, if that's an opportunity, um, as a $10,000 gift. Um, we also talk about our bequest program. Um, we have had a number of bequests at the foundation which are absolutely critical to our organisation. Um, our founding donor, Ken Stott, he gave us $2 million to start the organisation, but he left me five in his will. Wow. So, so there's seven, but his subfunds today are worth $13 million. So that just tells the story of the longevity of the fact that Ken's name will live on forever and that gift that he left uh, or both of those gifts that he left um, are in, you know, an incredible um, ongoing contribution to this community. So bequests are really important. You know, everybody should be thinking about their will and they should be thinking about family first but they then should be thinking about you know, can I leave something for the community? Um, it might just be 1% or 2% of the property that you own or, or funds that you have. Um, you don't have to be a rich person to potentially have some assets, but we would always say family first. Um, but engage your family about leaving a gift for the community. We've had a number of donors that leave a gift in mem- in memory of someone else yeah, okay. because they, they want yep. their name to live on. Yep. Um, so we name every one of our sub funds and print those uh, names every year. So, and then there's, of course, um, the P500, which is the $500 gift. Um, we also have a scholarship fund, which is a, which we don't perhaps promote as well as um, we should um, because a number of our donors um, have a particular passion for education and supporting individuals. So we have a number of sub-funds um, where we uh, advertise scholarships annually um, and we'll allocate a scholarship from those investments of anything between $500 and, and $2,000 to students with, with a need. So so that's why exploring what a person is interested in to start cool. with about community um, is, is where we start. And applying for a grant? 
Sure. So um, three grant rounds that we have. Um, so P500 has just opened, closes, I think it's the 13th of September. Um, so that's the $79,000 grant. It's a community wellbeing grant, so pretty broad. So any organisation with deductible gift recipient status can apply. So DGR status yep. is the, you know, you can, the organisations can give a receipt for a tax deduction. Um then we have our um, Adroit. I mentioned Adroit mm -hmm. Insurance and Risk, um, our fabulous partners. They have been hosting us office space and keep our admin very, very low. They have a golf day um, every year. So we have a capital grant program that we've linked to the proceeds of that golf day, um, which is about $75,000 grant. So that's a capital opportunity and there aren't many capital grant opportunities mm -hmm. around. And then our main grant round opens in December, closes mid-Feb, for the next financial year. Um, so that's last year we had 83 applications for 3.3 million. So considerable process, takes us three months to work through those grant applications with a particular set of criteria that we run across them all. And then we, we debate and we research and we try to get the money to where it's needed most. So and all that's available via the website? Is all on the website, geelongfoundation.org. Yep. Um, so that would probably be the best place to start. Um, but very happy to talk to any community organisation about a grant or anyone that's interested in, in making a contribution to, you know, the fabulous organisations that we have in our region. Geelong's a very lucky region with respect to, to grant opportunities. You know, ourselves, Give Where You Live. Um, there's lots of, you know, really great local um, private ancillary funds, the Dawn Wade Foundation. Foundation, you know, the Percy Baxter Trust, yep. um, Anthony Costa Foundation. You know, we're a very lucky community with lots of organisations that are willing to provide support. Good. That's great. Um, I particularly like the scholarship idea. Mm. Um, my old school has a foundation and uh, with a fair bit of money in it. Yep. And the funds are only allowed to be spent on providing education opportunities for those kids who can't afford it. Yes. It's not allowed to be spent on buildings or anything else. Yes. And I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it is a great idea. Mm. Yeah. So, Gail, thank you. My pleasure indeed. Yeah. It's been so, lovely to chat with you. Thank you for the invitation. And um, I said to you it would go yeah. quickly. You said, at the end, what am I <laughs> going to talk about? For gone. We, we've yeah. gone for about 29 minutes. So, wow, there you there go. go. All right. Well, well thanks. Thank on you. On average, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Gail. It's been uh, – it's a great story and uh, – we hope that this podcast goes far and wide and people take notice Grateful. of what they can do. Thank, Thank you, you, Bill. Thank you, Mark.